Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Janae Saltzman. Janae is the owner of Blush and Whim Wedding Planning and Event Design, based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she is here to teach us all of the insider tips and tricks for planning your wedding. I am so excited for y'all to hear from her. Now, I know that so many of you are newly engaged or thinking about engagement, and that's why I wanted to do an episode all about wedding planning. Today, Janae shares practical tips on how to set your wedding planning process up for success. We're talking about making a guest list, creating a budget, dealing with difficult family members, finding creative ways to incorporate your loved ones into your big day, and so much more. I really wish I had had this episode back when I was planning my wedding. But for those of you who are planning a wedding right now, I'm praying this episode can be practical, helpful, and reassuring for you. Janae and I know firsthand how stressful wedding planning can be, but we're here to come alongside you as your big sisters and as your girlfriends to cheer you on throughout the entire process. I'm so excited to share this with you. But before we dive in, friends, if you are looking for a way to stay connected and close with God in the midst of this big life change, I have a resource that can help. It's my book, The Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and it's a 90-day step-by-step guide that will help you consistently spend time with God, feeling connected to Him well beyond your quiet times. Step into your God-given identity, feeling good enough and truly beautiful in your skin. Trust the plans He has for your life, and that's just the beginning. If this sounds like something that would be helpful for where you are right now, I would love to share it with you. You can pick up a copy at smaywilsonshop.com, and if you use promo code GIRLSNIGHT, it'll give you 15% off. Isn't that fun? It's a brand new promo code just for our amazing podcast community. Okay, so with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here's my conversation with Janae. Okay, friends, I'm sitting here with my new friend, Janae Saltzman, who I'm just going to warn you right now, you are going to love. You are going to love her. Um, I'm so excited about this conversation. Janae, can you tell us, tell us who you are, what you do, and just a fun fact about yourself? Yes, absolutely. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to be here and talk to all of your followers about wedding planning and hopefully kind of come alongside them as like their new wedding planning BFF and help them come out of the planning process alive, which is always the goal. So <laughs> yes, seriously, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So my name is Janae Saltzman. I am a wedding planner based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, my company specializes in event design, but we also offer full service planning. Um, kind of our bread and butter and most popular package is our day of coordination package, which I'm sure a lot of you out there planning your weddings have heard about, or it's something you're considering having for your wedding. Um, couldn't recommend it more. Just someone to be there on the day up to take care of everything for you. Um, so we specialize in those things. I have been a contributing writer for Style Me Pretty, which has been super fun in the past, um, just writing tips and trick articles for brides. Um, I also have an online course, which I think we're going to talk about later in the episode today, um, for brides that are looking for affordable wedding planning help and advice um, from a reputable source. Um, and I love weddings. It's so fun. It's, it's, it's a super fun industry to be a part of, and I'm very grateful to work with amazing clients and very talented vendors every day. Um, fun fact, I was a 
high school, um, not beauty queen, but I was Miss St. Croix Falls 2003, which is really funny because I am so not a pageant girl. Um, but I was one of those like small town girls. I was, um, Miss St. Croix Falls. I was in 40 different parades one summer. My dad would like drive us. It was me and four other girls. There was like Miss Congeniality, second princess, first princess, me. There was a third princess too, actually at the time. Um, and my dad, our dads would take turns driving our float to different small towns. And yeah, we were in like 40 parades one summer and there would be like little Queens teas before every parade, which was really funny. So like the, the town that was hosting the parade would have a Queens tea and all of the Queens would get together with our tiaras and our sashes and have, you know, appetizers and punch before the parade started. So that was a very, that's kind of a fun fact about me because it was one of those things where all of my friends were running for it. And I was like, okay, I'll do this. And then I ended up winning it and felt kind of bad. Some of my friends really wanted to win it and wanted to do the pageant thing. So that's always one of my fun fact things that I like to pull out of my back pocket because it's something, if you know me well, you wouldn't expect. That, that was- is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Did you have to, like for the pageant, did you have to have a talent? Was there no, like a there was portion? no talent portion, which was great. It was all just interviews, which was really oh, nice. Good. And just lots of questions, which was great. Yeah, there was no pressure on like body image or having a special talent or anything. It was just about, you know, community service and having a passion for being a leader in your community and things like that. So it That's was super fun. It was a great amazing. experience and it's one I'm really glad I had. So I love that. Oh my gosh. Tell me the name <laughs> yeah. of your town again. St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin, population 2000, teeny tiny. Well, guys, we have a bona fide celebrity here on the show, Miss St. Croix Falls. That's incredible. I'm so glad to know that. Well, Janae, so um, I'm so excited about our conversation today. I told you before, um, before we started recording that my baby sister is like days away from getting married. And um, it's wedding planning is such an interesting thing. I don't know if you, well, it's a little different for you because you are a wedding planner, but when I was getting married, when I was planning my wedding, I feel like I learned everything the hard way and then didn't get to then use that knowledge for anything else. It was like, I just figured everything out enough to get it right for my wedding. And then my, that, that knowledge that I picked up wasn't useful anymore. And so it's been really fun to help my sister and to get to be a sounding board for her as she's picking out bridesmaids dresses and like, does this table need a charger or do these place settings need chargers or not? I mean, there are just <laughs> right. so many details. Um, yes. But while this is so fresh in my mind, I wanted to make sure to like take time to sit down and talk about this. And I, I feel like it's even more fresh in my mind how hard this process can be because I'm walking through it with my sister. And so I'm going to pick your brain for details today. But before we Love do it. that, I want to hear just how did you start doing this? What made you want to become a wedding planner? Yeah. So my story is a little bit interesting. So I graduated from college during the recession. So it was Christmas of 2008 and I had done some internships um, in the summers at a winery in my hometown in St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin. Again, um, there was a winery there that had just opened um, right when I went to college. And so I did some internships in the summer when I would come back and I would work in the special events um, with the wedding planner there doing all of these really beautiful vineyard weddings. And it was a great place to start because it was a small business. It was a mom and pop operation. So I got to wear a lot of different hats. I got a lot of responsibility just as an intern, um, which was really cool. And I just fell in love with it. I thought it was so amazing. I loved the whole process. I always wanted more from it. I didn't want to just do the logistics of the day of. I was like, I don't want to design these things. I want to be more involved in the entire process from start to finish with brides. 
Um, so when I graduated, there were no jobs and this winery happened to be hiring full time. And so I, you know, jumped at the opportunity. I took that on for two years um, while I was also planning my own wedding um, towards the end of that job, which was a really interesting experience. So you know, I was working with 20 plus brides each season. Um, the year I planned my wedding, I was planning a wedding for someone else the same day as mine, which was a really interesting experience. Oh <laughs> really crazy. So my wedding definitely got put on the back burner. I'll have brides ask about my wedding. I'm like, don't ask. Like I needed a wedding planner. Doctors need doctors. Wedding planners need wedding planners. But um, in any case, I just fell in love with it. And then eventually wanted to, like I said, get more involved in event design and the entire process. So I contracted for a few different companies for a few years um, and then jumped off on my own and started my own company um, where I could kind of have a lot of control over how much involvement I had in a bride's day, the event design process, all of those good things. So um, I've had Blush and Win, which is the name of my company, um, since 2013. And we're going into our seventh wedding season this year, which is really exciting. We're just at the beginning of it. So we're um, super excited. That's amazing. I, oh, I <laughs> love that. Um, so as like, I just want to jump in and hear as much, I, I want to like, I know that there are so many aspects and so many things that we could talk about today. And so I want to get through just as many of them as possible because I'm just thinking about my baby sister and actually I'm feeling pretty bad that we haven't done this sooner because her wedding's going to be like basically over by the time this episode comes out. But um, for anyone else who's planning your wedding right now, my hope is that this can be the most practical, the most helpful, the most reassuring next, you know, 40 minutes of your life ever. Um, so but to begin with, as we're getting ready to start planning our wedding, what is something that we need to know? Like, what what do you wish that we, what do we need to be thinking about? What do we need to know? What do we need to do? Just when we're like right at the beginning of the process. Right at the beginning of the process. Sure. So when you're first jumping into the wedding planning process, first, it's really important to just enjoy being engaged for a second. I know it's really hard to like pull in the reins and not dive right into your Pinterest board and start planning things and researching on Instagram, all of your favorite vendors and things like that. But it's really important to just take that moment and take it in and be present in the engagement for a second and be excited, do a little celebration, whether it's like an engagement party or just popping a bottle of champagne with your significant other and sitting on the couch and just like oogling at each other for the night. Like that's a super important first step is that you just get off on the right foot with being present with each other and being in the moment because this whirlwind of a thing is going to take you guys on a ride and you need to be centered as a couple first. I think that's a really important thing that a lot of couples take a misstep on in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so definitely that. So just take it in for a minute, whether that's, you know, a few weeks or a few months or whatever you need to do, just take it in. Um, and then you can slowly start doing your research. Um, so the f very first steps, the most important thing that a couple can do first is think about two things. So it's going to be their guest list and then their budget. So you don't want to do anything else until you have that. Like you can do the fun pin, like pinning. I know I love to be on Pinterest until like two in the morning, sometimes just like pinning away. So you can definitely do that. Um, you can definitely go on Instagram and just start making note of vendors that you really love in your area that maybe you've been stalking or were at some of your friends' weddings that you know you love. Um, but don't make any decisions yet. Just really start focusing in on how big is this guest list going to be and what's our overall number that we're working with. Okay. So I'm so glad that you said that. First of all, um, Carl and I really did that when we got engaged. I think we spent... See, there a week or maybe two where we just decided we were not going to talk about wedding things. And actually, I think Love the it. one thing we did talk about was like, what's your hope for our wedding overall? Like what's, what's, 
the purpose of this day. I mean, the purpose is for us to get married, obviously, but like if we do one thing right, like what is that one thing? And we decided that we wanted to really, it was about our people. It was about our people surrounding us and getting to celebrate with them and getting to celebrate them and getting to honor them for what they've for the part that they've played in our life. And um, that was just kind of the thing. We're like, if we do nothing else right, this is just about about, about us and about our people. Um, but that's, I think, the only conversation we had for about a week. Um, Love that. And then we jumped into the budget and the guest <laughs> list, which those were my exact next questions. So I'm glad to hear that those are the first steps. First of yeah. all, okay, can you talk about Let's talk about guest list first. This was the hardest thing for me. Like, how do you handle this? How do you figure out who to invite, who not to invite, how to divvy up the spots between like us and our fiance and our family and our fiance's family? Help us. (laughs) This is, I know this is, this is a piece of the puzzle that is super bamboozling for brides and it, it sets the tone for the whole planning process for a lot of people because it's stressful right away. And this is like the first thing you're doing and it's already stressful, which is a bummer. (laughs) Um, So there are some ways to get out of it alive. Um, Definitely sitting down and thinking through your guest list as a couple first is really important. And just really thinking about the people in your life that are important to you, but also maybe the people that you would invite over for dinner or a cocktail party. If they're not on that list, they shouldn't be on your wedding planning list either. Um, You know, there are obviously going to be those people in your life that you're obligated to invite, but those are usually going to be on your parents' list, the people that you and your fiance are friends with. If you don't, if you don't see them regularly, if you don't have them over regularly, if they're not someone that you immediately think of when you're thinking we're having a birthday party or we're having a barbecue and we want to have all of our friends over, if they're not on that list, they don't need to be on your wedding, uh, your wedding list either. It's not about how many people can you pack into a room. It's about being really intentional about who you're inviting to your event. So that's the first step is really just sitting down and getting real about who are our real friends right now. Um, And I know when you're a younger bride, it can be harder because you've collected all of these people along the way from high school and college and maybe your first jobs. And you just have more friends when you're younger. You just have a lot of people in your life um, because you're busier and you're just more involved in things. So it can be hard at that point to really figure out who are like the really important people that we want to have there. As you get a little older, these things get easier. If you're like, you know, getting married a little later in life, it's a little easier. Things have weeded out a bit. Um, But that's the first step. And then, you know, really going to your parents and being mindful of their list, especially if they're contributing to your event. That's a really important thing to remember is being respectful of their friends that they want to invite that maybe you never see. Um, But, you know, when you really think about it as a, um, you know, as a couple, you know, if, if you have friends in your life and you thought about having children and they get married someday, would you want those friends to be there? And so it kind of makes you a little, you know, a little kinder to your parents when they're giving you those lists and understanding, okay, these people are really important to them and I'm a really important piece of their puzzle in their life. And so it's important that those people are there. Um, so being respectful of that, obviously, if you are contributing to the event yourself as a couple, you have a little more control and a little more say on what's going to be happening. But I think, you know, honoring your parents and being mindful of their friends and their connections and family members that you maybe never see that they're really close to is really important. So, that's the best way to get out of it alive is just to communicate, be really clear on things. I think holding kind of the same standards to everyone. So if you're saying like, there's going to be no children at this event, like there's no children, like no one can invite children, or maybe it's just family, um, family children, like, you know, nieces and nephews and things like that. Um, so just kind of keeping consistency that way will really help you. The same thing goes with plus ones. Like if you're letting everyone have a plus one, or maybe just some people have a plus one, everyone over 18 gets a plus one, you know, kind of thinking about it that way instead of 
offending someone by not allowing them to have a plus one. Um, so just kind of holding the same standards to everyone on your guest list, I think is really important. That's really, I think having like a, a filter, it just makes it feel a little less personal. I mean, it is so personal, but just at least you have like a reason to point back to, which I think is really good. I, I like that you said the thing about, um, you know, who you'd invite over for a party to your birthday. You know, if you're hosting an event today, who would you invite? Um, I think that something I ran into is I had a really hard time. I just had a hard time cutting down on the list. And I, I did a lot of, I had a lot of people on the list because I felt bad, you know, oh, I feel bad. I feel like I should invite them or we work with them. Or I think that one thing that I wish I would have done is really ask myself, who do I think is going to be in our lives five years from now or 10 years from now? And then also who do I want to be in our lives five years from now or 10 years from now? And it's, it's impossible to know. It's crazy. Cause there, mm-hmm. you know, we have a bunch of friends in Nashville that we met like six months after we got married or even three months after we got married. And it's so crazy that we weren't at each other's weddings, but we just didn't know each other then. Um, so there's always going to be people that like you connect with later and not everyone you're close with for your whole life is going to be at your wedding and that's okay. But I do, I wish that I would have been a little bit tougher in terms of I'm not close to this person and, and my family's, you know, it's not, this isn't a family person. I'm not close to this person. I'm not going to invite them and that's okay. Um, this is your wedding and right. And also your family's wedding. So I, I love that point too, um, that mm-hmm. it's honoring our parents and you'd want your best friends at your child's wedding. And so like giving <laughs> your parents that space and and honoring them in that way too. That's really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what you said about thinking about the people that are going to be in your life down the road is really important. And, you know, it just really helps you evaluate. And it, like you said, you don't have to be nice. You don't have to invite everyone because you feel bad. Like it's just the way it goes. And it doesn't mean that you don't like that person or that you don't want to still have coffee with them or catch up with them over cocktails or whatever it might be. Um, It's just, it's your wedding and you can only have so many people there. Otherwise it turns into a circus. Yes. Yes. I think (laughs) having like a number to shoot for is really helpful also because in a way you do have to rank people a little bit and that sounds so heartless, but it's like, okay, what is more important having my my aunt there or having this girl that I like eat lunch with sometimes at work there or putting a dollar amount to it, you know, depending on how, I mean, no matter how catering works or, or anything with your wedding, it's like every single person costs $50 to be there or a hundred dollars or $200 or however much it is. And so it's like, do I want to give this spot to this person over this person? And do I want to pay this much to have them there? I feel like those questions were helpful for me, I mean, it was still really, really hard for me, but yeah. it, it helped like clear it up a little bit and just put some parameters around it. Absolutely. Yep. Do you have, I know that you are coordinating and connecting with families all the time. Do you have any wisdom for if families are sort of not being as respectful of the couple? Like if a parent gives gives you um, a list of like 200 people they want there or something, how do you, do you have any like from witnessing those conversations. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like interesting family dynamics when you're planning a wedding, um, which is everyone has it. And so if you're feeling insecure right now, maybe you're listening to this feeling like, I just feel like my family has so much drama and it's so embarrassing. Every family has drama when they're planning Mm -hmm. a wedding. I love my own mother. I'm best friends with her. But when I plan my wedding, we totally butted heads. Like it's just, it's, it's, you're built for it. You're not built to get along while you're planning an event with someone that you love. So, um, so don't be too hard on yourself. Just like, 
embrace it, know that it's going to happen and just try to be mindful of everyone and communicate a little more. Um, but I think, you know, the best way if you're really feeling bulldozed by your parents on something or you're feeling like you just can't get your point across on this guest list, it's it's like you kind of segued into it, Stephanie, is it's going into the budget. Like what is our overall number here and what is reasonable? Um, you know, this was actually a conversation I had with my mother. I have a big family. She wanted to invite a lot more people than um, we could afford. You know, she was giving money. My fiance's parents were giving money, my husband's parents. And then we were contributing something, but she didn't know the overall number right away. And so she was kind of bulldozing with her list. And it was one of those things where I had to get real, like we can't afford to pay for this many people. Like we're not going to have an event at all right now if you want to invite this many people. So I think that's a really like good black and white way to just get real without offending and being like, you can't invite these people. Mm -hmm. It's saying, how are we going to afford this? Do you want to contribute more money? Because we can't, this is what we can do right now. Um, So that's, I think that's a really good black and white way to be mindful um, without offending anyone. And yes. then it, you get, it gets real. People get real with it. Then they're like, okay, this is what we have to do. Yes. I, I think I, I never thought that I would be grateful for something like numbers or budgets or money or something, <laughs> but it really does. It makes it just less emotional or less, again, less personal. It's like, listen, this person costs a hundred, it's a hundred dollars per person to be there. So this you know, second cousin, fourth cousin, twice, 17 times removed and their whole extended family is going to cost like a thousand bucks. So we can't How afford that. For them to be there. Yeah. Can yeah. you? Um, I love that. So that brings us to really the, the budget question. Can you talk to us about this a little bit, the budget conversation? Like how do people usually pay for weddings? And is there any, do you have any tips for making the, the, how are we paying for this conversation easier, whether that's with our families or whether that's with our fiance. Absolutely. This is something I'm super passionate about as a wedding planner, just because I see the stress that it brings on when you don't approach the budget in a good way. Like it's so important early on, like I said, enjoy the engagement, think about your guest list and then dive right into the budget before you do anything else. Because what a lot of couples do is they make the mistake of starting to buy things before they know how much they can actually afford. And they have no idea. Like you said, when you're planning your wedding, you don't know anything. By the end of it, you know everything. And then it's too late because now you're married. Yes. <laughs> Information is useless. So it's really important to get a handle on what your overall number is, what your priorities are, who's contributing before you actually start buying anything. So that should be the first step is just sitting down again, over cocktails or whatever you need to do to make it less awkward with your family and having the hard conversations about who's contributing. So whether, you know, you and your fiance are contributing something yourself, you know, just talking to parents, like, is this something you want to be a part of? Do you want to contribute to this day? You know, anything you want to contribute, we're super grateful for. And just being grateful, I think at every step too, because weddings are expensive, especially if you have other siblings in the family that are getting married, things like that. Just being mindful of that with your parents too. Just knowing that anything that they can give you, they want to give you. And that's wonderful. And then anything else, you know, then we make it work from there. So just having those hard conversations because you never know who might want to contribute to your event. You might have a grandmother that's like, I really want to buy your wedding dress for you. You're like, oh my gosh, grandma, I had no idea. You know, like you just don't know until you have these conversations or you might have like a godmother that wants to sponsor you know, a late night snack or something like that. So it's, you just never know who wants to contribute. Typically it's going to be both sets of parents and you as a couple. Uh, But every once in a while, there's that outlier that wants to gift you something really wonderful. So just having those conversations is really important. So you know what your overall number is. And then from there, you know, whatever you're contributing, we like to call it like our scary number. That's where you want to be. You want to figure out what is the number we cannot tip over with this wedding before we go into debt or before I feel sick to my stomach when I think about how much this wedding is going to cost. Because 
if you don't do that, it's really easy for things to get away from you. Like, oh, we'll just add another 5,000. We'll just add another thousand. And all of a sudden you're $20,000 over what you thought you were going to spend. So it's super, super important to have that scary number in mind. So if you're thinking we'd like to spend 50, but we really have 75,000 to spend on it, just put $75,000 down because you can always have room to save at that point instead of going up to 100,000. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's a super important step. And then prioritizing the items in your budget. That's, you know, the second piece is once you have that scary number in place or that overall number, it's thinking about what is included in this budget. And that's different for everybody. And you make your own rules this way. It doesn't have to look the same for everyone. So some people are kind of like the base, like we just need the basic things. Other people are like the bikini for my honeymoon is totally included in the budget. You know what I mean? So it's different for everyone. So really thinking about what's prioritized there and then, you know, finding like some great percentage breakouts, whether you're working with a wedding planner that can assist you with that um, or looking like on Martha Stewart weddings or style me pretty for some tips and tricks on how to break your, your budget out into percentages. So, you know, really at a basic level, you can pretty much uh, consider that 40 to 50% of your entire wedding budget is going to go straight to your reception. So the venue, the alcohol, the food, and then anything included with the venue. And then everything you have left from that is for everything else that you're wanting to pay for. So it's kind of a good starting point, but there are some really great detailed resources out there that can help you figure out how, how much should I be spending on floral? What percentage of my budget should I be putting towards my dress? Things like that. But yeah, the overall pot there, knowing how much you have and then prioritizing the items are the first steps. And then you have a blueprint for your whole wedding, which is really great. So as you're going through, you know, great, this is how much we can spend here. If we go over that, we know we're going over. We're going to have to sacrifice other places. Yep. Um, I feel like everyone just sucked in a breath. I know I did. When you're like (laughs) 75,000, we're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But I mean, I feel like we should maybe say, and, and you can, I mean, you can tell us like, Weddings are all over the map, right? Mm-hmm. Like in terms of yes. how much they cost, like you can get married at City Hall for however much it costs, you know, a couple hundred bucks exactly. probably. Or, you know, right. you can spend a million dollars on a wedding. It's, it's, right. and it's probably everywhere in between, right? Right, exactly. I mean, you, like you said, you can easily spend a million dollars on a wedding. So we don't want that to happen to you. Um, so weddings, there are some things with wedding planning where it's black and white, like things are just going to cost what they're going to cost. Uh, but there are a lot of pieces of the wedding planning puzzle that are very gray and it's not so much how much does it cost? It's how much do you want to spend on it? So yeah. like you can easily spend a million dollars on your food or your bar or your floral. So we don't want that to happen. So that's why it's important to have a blueprint in place that gives you a reference point on this is what you need to be spending for how much money you're putting into your event. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that your dream event can't come to life because you're working with X, Y, or Z budgets. It's all about tailoring that to what you want and what your vision is based on your aesthetic and your budget. Yeah. The budget thing is so tricky. And, you know, this is honest. I had never kept a budget in my life until (laughs) we got married, until we were getting married. And it was such a good exercise for Carl and I to sit down and to like make a spreadsheet together to know how much we had overall, to break it into percentages and to do that together. And it's not fun. Like those are the pieces. I think so many of us have spent so long dreaming about planning our weddings and what it's going to be like to be engaged. And we're so excited. And really it's, it is so exciting on one hand, but it's also planning a gigantic event for your family, which brings with it all this. And so, and a huge part of that is budget. And so I feel like, I mean, I feel like our wedding planning process overall was this giant, uh, like team builder exercise. Yes. But I think it's a good thing, you know, like 
we know how to budget together because of budgeting for our wedding. So it's not fun, but it's, but I think it's really, really good. It's like free marriage counseling, right? Yes. <laughs> just thrown yes. <laughs> yes. Just like an extra, extra bit of marriage counseling. That's so good. <laughs> well, so, um, I like how you said that, that things can cost, there's some things that cost what they cost. And then, and I feel like that's probably the venue, right? Like, exactly. and, and I mean, you can do a cheaper mm-hmm. venue, you can get married mm-hmm. in your backyard and then it's free, but exactly. most venue, like if you want to get married at a particular venue, it's going to cost like what There's a hard cost with it. Exactly. So it, I always talk about wedding planning and like your vision, just being really flexible with it and being really open-minded. It's not like when you go shopping, you know, sometimes you're looking for something specific and those are the days when you go shopping, you're usually not very successful, right? If you're like, I need a yellow sundress with a um, sweetheart neckline and spaghetti straps, like you're never going to find it. You're never yeah. going to drive yourself crazy. So with wedding planning, it's kind of the same way. It's kind of trying to break away from, I know it's hard, but trying to break away from like your dream Pinterest board you've had since before you were engaged and maybe a venue you've been obsessing over because it might not work. It might work, but it might not work. And so it's all about being flexible and being really open-minded to to what's available to you, what's going to work with your budget. Because the more open-minded you are going into the wedding planning process, the happier you're going to be. The more specific you are about things that you're wanting, the more unhappy you're going to probably be because it might not work for every situation. There are so many variables that go into everything. I mean, just for example, like floral, you might be obsessed with a bouquet. And I think you were talking about this in something I read or listened to with you, Stephanie, about a bouquet that you loved and it was, you, th- you thought it looked really simple, but then it ended up being a lot more expensive because it had certain elements in it that were put together for something specific. So taking Pinterest with a grain of salt is very important. Um, you know, we call it like expectation inflation is something that Pinterest definitely has. And you're a lot of time looking at styled shoots, you're looking at celebrity weddings. You don't know what type of floral is being used. It might be, you know, a seasonal thing where peonies are $10 in June in Minnesota, and then they're $15 a stem in December. You know, you just, you never know. Yeah. So just being open-minded, I think is important and important out alive. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, so I, I love that you mentioned that because that was exactly what happened. I, you know, florals weren't super important to me. I wanted to keep it pretty simple. And so I found this bouquet on Pinterest that was like, yeah, white flowers with a little bit of greenery. And I'm thinking like, cool, like this will be 10 bucks a table, something like that. Just really (laughs) easy that I was just trying to make it easy. And we bring it into the florist and she calculates all the tiny little like beads and berries and stems and all the things that are in there. And she's like, this is going to be about a hundred dollars a table. I'm like, what? (laughs) But but I mean, that's what she said was this was, this was created for a styled shoot. And and I think that keeping that in mind is really important that, yeah, you may be looking at something and it may have been at a million dollar wedding for a celebrity. And something that I had to do was really, I, for a while, and especially when we first got engaged, I spent a lot of time pinning anything that I liked. Um, but then after a while, after I started making some decisions, I had to like close down that board and I made a board of things I'd already decided on. So I, instead of all the dresses that I maybe could pick, I found a picture of the one I actually did pick. And so smart. I think I still have it. I think I still have the board. It's like my real life wedding just because I, I could compare and compare and, and feel like I was falling short for a million years. And I mean, my budget was not a million dollars. And so my wedding, like I shouldn't be comparing my wedding to a million dollar wedding. 
Right. Exactly. And that's the thing, like just managing those expectations early on and really allowing, you know, we can get into this later too. Um, but you know, really letting your vendors interpret your vision as well, like showing them inspiration, but letting them put their twist on it and make it work within your budget. So whether that means your bouquet is very large or very small, it's one of those things that they can interpret your vision in a million different ways because, you know, at the end of the day, let's say, you know, $5,000 worth of floral can look 5,000 different ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the, the nature of it in, in one specific vision. Yeah. Um, it can look 5,000 different ways. There's just so many different ways to interpret it yeah. um, with sizes and different vases and different arrangements and things like that. So just being really open-minded, I think is, is so key. Yeah. I think I, I love that you said that about venues too. There was this one venue that I had my eye on and um, we were only engaged for about uh, six months, seven months which I thought was perfect. I could have like yeah. spun my wheels for a million years trying to play in this wedding. And so I was really happy to have like that set amount of time and not four years to worry about it. Um, <laughs> but that meant that a lot of places were booked up. And so like by the time we started looking around and so this one place that I w- really wanted to get married just was booked. And the thing that we ended up doing and, and Carl was really helpful in like helping me look at it this way was when you find something you like, there are things that you really like about it. It doesn't have to necessarily be that. And I think that part of what I liked about it was like the twinkle lights and the fact that it was kind of gardeny. And and so we found a garden, a different garden where we could yeah. have twinkle lights and it, and it was so much cheaper and better and it was available and um, right. everything about it was better, but it took some like letting go of expectations and letting go of this one exact thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's again, where I think Pinterest, like Instagram and platforms like that are so wonderful and so crucial to us doing our job as wedding professionals and for brides to communicate their vision to us. It's a key tool. Um, But at the same time, it can, you know, just set certain expectations that aren't realistic, maybe with your budget. Um, So just knowing that. And like you said, I think the having a shorter timeline for your planning process is not a bad thing. A lot of brides come to us freaking out. We don't have any time. It's like, no, this is a good thing because now you can't double back on decisions you've already made and make new ones. Like there is a science to it. And like you said, there, you can get the comparisonitis looking at other weddings and going to other weddings, you get too many ideas and you're never going to be happy or make any decisions. So it's good to make smart, educated decisions based on your aesthetic and budget and stick to them. I love that you made a Pinterest board with everything you actually had. So yes. you're just like keeping your mind focused on that. That was really smart. And right around then, I think I like unfollowed all of the, you know, people on Instagram that I'd been following all the wedding professionals and stuff, because I think for a while you want to take in everything. And then after a while you're like, Oh my gosh, I made the wrong choice for my dress. Or I, like after a while, I feel like, yeah, too yeah. much information becomes Right. Too much. Um, This is kind of a random question, but I feel like it's an important one. When it comes to picking out your dress, I feel like that is an example of a time when you can double back and triple back and quadruple back. (laughs) Do you have a, a limit of how many stores someone should go to or how many dresses they should try on? Do you have any like guidelines for that? Yeah, absolutely. We always suggest we always suggest about three, about three places to start. If you're really having trouble at that point, then you're going to need a little more assistance. But we always recommend three different places at three different styles and price points if you can in your area. So, like in Minneapolis, there are like three different types of 
you know, kind of demographics that bridal boutiques are trying to capture. Um, there's kind of like this modern boho bride. There's more of the classic bride. And there's kind of like the really like chic New York bride target market here. Um, so I always encourage our brides to check out one of each, um, you know, kind of go to each and then check out the different price points. Check out all the different silhouettes that look good on your body. I mean, if you know what silhouettes you like, that's a great place to start. But don't get into the Pinterest hole with your dress because you're looking at a dress on a model. You're looking at a dress on someone that doesn't have the same body type as you usually. So don't get those expectations in your head. And again, be really open-minded when you go into what the stylist is bringing to you. Cause that stylist is trained to know what is going to look good on your body, what silhouettes are going to look good on your body type. So you may hate it on the, on the hanger or on the rack and you put it on, you might love it. You just never, ever know. I've seen so many brides be like, I'm not trying that on. I don't like it. And they put it on and they start to cry and they say yes to it. So <laughs> it's one of those things where it's really hard. Cause it's, it's the one thing for your wedding. That's super personal because yeah. you're wearing it on your body and it, and it, ref, it's a reflection of your personal style. And when you're, when you're designing your wedding, you want that to be an extension of your personal style. Yep. You don't want to feel like your wedding day is this big thing. That isn't you. Like mm-hmm. it should feel like who you are. You should be incorporating colors that you love to have in your home or that you wear on a daily basis. Um, so your wedding dress becomes very personal that way because it's the only personal thing you're going to actually purchase that you're going to wear on your body. Um, so it can be hard to let go of, I really don't like that, but just trust the stylist. And I think that's, that can be a big mistake. A lot of brides do as they go in and they think the stylist doesn't know what they're doing, but I think it's really important to listen to them and take what they're having to say into account. And don't bring too many people with you because they're going to have a ton of opinions too. Just bring like, if you're close to your mom, just bring your mom and maybe like your sister, if you're close to a sister or a sister-in-law, you don't need to have like your whole bridal party there because everyone's got an opinion and it's not going to help you in the long run. You just need a few sound people that know you really well. And you know, it can be fun to bring, it sounds fun in theory to bring everyone to your bridal appointments to watch you try all these things on, but you're going to, it's going to end up in tears for you if it doesn't go well, if no one likes what you're trying on, just confuse you further. So keeping it concise again, trying out three different places. If you're still confused after that, you might just need a little more guidance, you know, from different people. If you're like, if you know you're an indecisive person, you know, just give yourself a little more time at those appointments to really like think about things, but avoid Pinterest and Instagram if you can with looking at dresses, just wait till you go see what's in there. Listen to your stylist. Don't bring too many people. (laughs) I love that. I love that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. 
Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. So I want to circle back to the the money conversation just a little bit because there are so many things and so many pieces to pay for. And I would love to hear, you know, we talked about like set costs, fixed costs. What are some things where it's like, don't skimp on this. Don't like just, just pay for it. Don't do the budget route on this. And what are some things where it's like, you do not have to pay that much. Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think really first and foremost, photography, do not skimp on that. Do not ask like a family friend to come shoot you. Even if, even if they're really good and if they're not a professional and they haven't shot weddings before, do not hire them. Like make sure you are splurging on photography because you have those photos forever. Um, and you know, you're putting all of this money and all of this time and all this effort 
into planning your event. And if you don't have good photos at the end of the day, it's like it didn't happen. You know what I mean? So you want to make sure that you have invested in someone that knows what they're doing. They know how to handle the day. They're going to, they're going to get that photo of you and your grandma dancing on the dance floor that someone that hasn't shot a wedding before might miss. And they're going to know to ask the certain questions about who you want to be in photos with you um, and organize all of that for you. Because once it's over, it's over. Like if they miss those moments, it's gone. So you want to make sure that that's someone that has you know a lot of experience, that they have a style that you love. Um, don't write that off because it's, it's such an important element. So I'd say that's first. Um, entertainment is also a really big one. <laughs> you want to make sure that you have good entertainment at your event, whether it's like a really awesome DJ or a good band. That's a great part of the guest experience. And it's a huge part of the night. It's like the longest chunk of the night that your guests are going to be doing something. So making sure you have a good investment in that so that the event doesn't fall flat after all of these things happen. Um, So I'd say investing in those and then investing time into planning your ceremony is also very important. I think a a big thing, a lot of couples let go of, they don't think about the ceremony, they're thinking about place settings. And the ceremony is the whole reason you're getting married. It's the biggest part of the day. It's the most important part of the day. So don't write that off. Like invest time into thinking about your vows, thinking about, you know, the music and the whole feeling, because that sets the vibe for the entire night. Mm -hmm. So I think really investing into pieces for that uh, portion of the day, whether it's, you know, great music and it might not be, you know, a, a money investment. It's more just a time investment and really thinking about, how you want that to feel. But yeah, photography, entertainment, and your ceremony, those are like the three bags that you really want to focus on. Floral and all of that, I know it's really easy to get carried away with decor, but no one really cares about that as a guest. Like when you think about the best weddings you've been to, like you're probably, you don't remember the decor. You maybe remember the venue being cool, but you don't remember what was on the tables. You don't remember your place card that someone, you know, labored over for hours, like thinking about different colors and calligraphy and all those things. You're not thinking about those things. So letting go of that a little bit and just being more open-minded to event design, I think is important. And, you know, from someone that loves event design and that's our forte, I love it, but I also get really real with our brides and I let them know, like, this is not the most important element of your day. This should be a highlight to what the day already is and how amazing it already is. Is there anything else that you're like, if you're trying to cut costs, like cut them here or any sort of yeah. like hacks to, yeah. yeah, I would just love to hear anything else for, for those yeah. of us who are trying to keep the budgets. Yeah, absolutely. So, we all are, um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, thinking about like your bar, I think a lot of couples get really caught up in, I need to provide a full amazing bar for all of my guests with like the top lines of everything, you know, the most fancy champagne, the best alcohol, that is not important. That is really not an important element. I think it's important to host something at some point during your event, but it's not your job to get your guests intoxicated and have them on the dance floor all night, you know, a mess. Like it's your job to create a great guest experience for them. So making them feel taken care of, making them feel like there are things that are hosted is really nice, but don't feel like you need to, God forbid, spend $15,000 on your bar tab. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something where you can provide like a very nice beer, a very nice wine, and maybe a really fun signature cocktail. That's a really great, great way to cut down the cost of having people ordering martinis and old fashions and things like that all night. You don't want that to happen because <laughs> that's where your, uh, your budget's going to get away from you. That's the easiest spot for your budget to get away from you. Um, so if you have a little control over that while you're planning, that can be really helpful. Um, you know, thinking about your event design, being more open-minded to event design in that maybe what you want for every table isn't going to work on every table, but it might work on your head table. So doing like a really bang out, amazing, elaborate head table, and then 
using your guest tables as more of like an accent to that centerpiece for the whole room is a really great way to cut costs. So maybe you want charger plates, but you can't afford to have them for every place setting. Just go crazy with them on the head table. Maybe you want really tall, striking centerpieces on every table, but it doesn't work. Put a bunch on your head table. You know what I mean? So just going crazy with that, kind of configuring the layout of your room so your head table is maybe at the center um, can be a really great way to make an impact without blowing your budget. Um, That's a great way to save. Um, Other little things, you know, like cutting out like things like champagne toast or um, you know, paper, paper design for the day of can be a really easy way to blow your budget. So maybe not doing a traditional program for everyone, um, maybe doing an escort board instead of escort cards, just thinking about little things that you can cut out, um, because it is a thing that your guests are going to hold on to for five seconds. and They're going to throw it away. So really just thinking about what's the information they need to know and how do they need to get there? And then letting go of that. You don't need it to be five different steps to get somewhere. It can just be as quick as looking on, um, you know, a beautiful board that you put together, finding their name and then finding their table instead of here's a piece of paper that's taking you to your table. And then there's another piece of paper there that shows you where to sit and letting go of little details like that, I think can really help you shave off costs. I feel like I, I like that you said, um, no, I'm trying to think of what you said uh, about like what you notice about other people. Oh yeah. You don't remember what anyone else had on their table at, you know, when you're going to a wedding, like I, I feel like thinking about it that way, that's so smart. Like, okay, what did I actually, like, have I ever kept a program? No, like not even for my best friends. I I mean, like, no, I have no idea where that program is or like, I don't need, you know, does the invitation need to have 47 different papers in it? Like, no, it just, what did you, I guess, what do you care about and what, what matters to you and, and what do you notice at other people's weddings or at events and kind of, yeah, letting go. I don't think we did. We didn't do like, um, like favors. We didn't do programs. We didn't do, there were so many things we didn't do because we're like, man, I can't even think of one time when I, when that stood out to me, but we cared a little bit more about food because we both really love food and just different things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So important to remember your guest experience as a guest at a wedding and thinking about, you know, most people are going to remember I, the dance was super fun and the ceremony was so romantic and that's pretty much it. They're not going to remember everything else. So prioritizing. Yeah. That's so good. So this is like (laughs) kind of more of a heart question, but I know that you've had this conversation with so many people. Um, and this kind of goes back a little bit to the guest, to the guest list question. Talk to us about bridal party. I think that there, that is such a hard decision to make. I think like, who do you have? Who do you not have? How do you have the conversation with someone you don't want to have? Like, that is that is another place where I found myself feeling so stuck and so obligated in a bunch of different ways. And it, and it was really hard to decide who mm-hmm. I wanted standing next to me. So I would love to hear just any wisdom you have on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think this can be really hard, especially, again, if you're a younger bride or you have a ton of friends, like you have a big girl squad in your life and you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Um, it's kind of thinking about, obviously, first and foremost, thinking about the most important people in your life, like from a family perspective and people that you need to honor that maybe are a part of your family that you don't want to feel left out or offended. So if you have like a sister-in-law or like, you know, someone like that in your family, it's really important to include them in your bridal party so they don't feel left out because they're your family. This is your sister, or your sister-in-law at the end of the day. So it's important to include them first and foremost. And then thinking about your friend groups and who's really important to you. So if you're one of those girls that was maybe in a sorority in college, and you just have like all of these girls in your life. And you know, if you dip into one circle, it's like, there's like 18 people attached to it. 
you can think about like the friends in your life that don't have other people attached to them. Cause everyone has that. It's kind of, you have these like one-off friends from different parts of your life um, that might be really important to you. So those are really great friends to include because there's no agenda attached to them. Like you just solely love them. You don't have to have three other people if you have them that you'd maybe don't want to have. So that's really important. And then, you know, once you get down to it, it's really just thinking about who are these really, really important women in your life that have made an impact on you either as a child or as a woman growing up, you know, in college, like it's a really impactful time for a lot of people. So think about those people that have made a difference in your life and you just can't live without, and you can't imagine them not standing up for you. Instead of just thinking about it as like this gaggle of girls on the day of a wedding, which can be really easy. And you don't, you don't want to end up with 18 bridesmaids. That's noxious and really expensive. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's the best way to think about it is family first and foremost, and then, you know, kind of trickling down from there into friend groups that don't have attachments. And then those people that you just can't live without. Yeah. And not feeling bad if someone's offended again, you kind of have to let go of that again, like with the guest list, you kind of just have to let go of, you're probably going to offend somebody when you're planning your wedding. There's probably someone that's going to have an expectation to either be a bridesmaid or be involved in something. And they might not be. And that's that's their issue. You're only responsible to them. You're not responsible for them. So yeah. you can't control what their reaction is going to be if they're going to be angry with you about something. And it would be unfortunate, but maybe that's someone you wouldn't want in your wedding anyway. Yes. <laughs> they're going to be mad about it. They would yes. understand if they were a good friend. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, man, one thing that I, I like... I'm picturing going through this process in my own life. And, um, I love the women that I, that I ended up picking, but I definitely offended some people along the way. And I'm picturing like, just like you said, the, the photos last forever. And they're these mementos of this really important day. And the women standing up with you should be people that had a, have had a really big impact on you and that you think are going to be friends. And, and maybe they won't be your friends, you know, maybe right. something happens or you, you can't predict mm-hmm. that, but to the best of your ability, picking people who 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're going to be really happy you chose. And I know for me, because I feel like people pleasing is totally a downfall of mine that I'm really working on. Me too. <laughs> but it's, it's so hard. But like the, that feeling of like anger at myself a little bit when I know I got talked into a, a decision I didn't want to make, like I, I know that I would have, I would feel mad every time I look at, you know, the picture of me and my bridesmaids, if there was one that I feel like I got sort of like strong-armed into picking or like, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I picked them, but I knew I didn't want to. I just, that's a long time to like, this is, this is a day where you get to surround yourself with the people who mean most to you. And again, I totally, I love that you said that if there's someone who is going to be mad at you or want to end your friendship because they weren't chosen, like that is there's, that's a red flag in your friendship um, that has nothing to do with the wedding. But Exactly. Exactly. And there are so many fun ways to incorporate. Like, again, like I said, like we get tons of brides that were in big sororities. They just have all of these amazing girlfriends in their life. And I think you can honor them in other ways at your wedding. Like you can have, like we've had girls make all of their friends that aren't bridesmaids, like usherettes or flower girls where they're doing like some sort of fun Task through the day. Like the usherettes obviously are like the ush- they're just ushers. Instead of having all of these ushers, you have usherettes <laughs> and they get to wear a cute outfit that matches or something like that. Um, we've had brides have, again, their friends be flower girls where they have some sort of meaningful moment with the bride right before they walked down the aisle where they give her a flower that kind of like she puts into her bouquet, which is really cute. There's just all sorts of fun ways you can still honor all of those friends without having them necessarily be bridesmaids. You can have them come get ready with you. You can have a bunch of them be your personal attendants, which just means they bring you champagne and (laughs) hang out with you and just make you feel good. Um, It doesn't have to be for the whole day. It could just be for a portion of the day. Um, But just you can get creative that way so that you, you don't feel like you're 
missing out on some friends that you want to have be a part of the day, but you don't want 18 bridesmaids. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. That's, that's really helpful. I'm like, wish I just, there's so many things that I wish I could have heard earlier. I just would have, oh. <laughs> I wouldn't have stressed about, um, about the decision so much. Right. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit already, but weddings are a really big deal for us, obviously, but they really do mean so much to our families also. And I, and how, talk to us a little bit about how we can handle that. Our, you know, I think sometimes our moms or our mother, future mother-in-law, mothers-in-law, or, um, <laughs> you know, someone has a really strong opinion about something that differs from ours. Maybe we've never really cared about having a wedding cake, but it is so important to them that we have a wedding cake. Can you talk to us about like how to navigate, navigate. this and yeah, what we should sort of <laughs> agree to and what we should stand firm on and... Absolutely. I think, you know, especially if those, those parents and in-laws are contributing to the event, I think it is important to incorporate them into the planning process if they're interested, you know, if they're not interested, just do your thing. Um, but if they want to be involved, giving them something to do is so, so important. So they feel really included in the process and they don't feel like they don't know what's going on. It's your mom at the end of the day, or it's your dad or it's your mother. Like they're excited. These are, these are their children getting married. And for some of them, it's their first wedding ever in the family. And it's a big deal. And they want to make sure it's a nice event because they've got all their friends coming and they want to make a good impression and they want to impress everyone. Um, so just trying to remember that, like that there's this other perspective coming from your parents on your day that's going to differ from yours. I think just being mindful of that and communicating on that as much as possible. Just, you know, whether it's just keeping your mom or your in-laws, your in-laws aware of what's going on. Like, Hey, we booked this this week. We're thinking about this. Here are the things coming up. Let me know if you have any opinions on anything or any strong ideas on something and let's work together to make something work. So if it's, you know, maybe you're not excited about a cake, but your in-laws are like super stoked on a cake. Maybe it's something we can go through Pinterest together and find something that works for both of you. Maybe it's like donuts or, you know, maybe it's a, a mini display of mini desserts or something, you know, kind of finding a middle ground to accommodate what they are loving because they're maybe going to pay for it. And then something that works for you and your personality and you and your fiance as well. And then just giving like things that you don't want to do to those people because they love to, they just want to help. They just want to help you. It's like when you're little and they just want to like take you shopping and buy you things and like do things for you. Um, it's the same way when you're planning your wedding, they just want to help. So give them all of your envelopes to stuff with all of your save the dates, or your invites. They'd be tickled pink to do that for you or help with the dressing things. You know, if you have favors you're making or any other like little DIY projects, like involve them in that process. And then just ask, ask if they have any ideas that they that you want them to be mindful of. And I, I guarantee you, if you have those conversations, even if you're afraid, like, oh gosh, my future in-law seems really pushy. Even if you're afraid of that, just asking that is going to make her respect you so much more. And it, it's just going to be a more fun process for you. Instead of hiding everything and trying to do it all by yourself and not including them, then they're going to really get in there. <laughs> so yeah. I think it helps to ask them like, Hey, I've got these things coming up. Do you have any ideas or things that you feel strongly about? Like, I'd love to take it into consideration. They will love you for that. They'll be floored. Like I guarantee if you say that to your in-law, or your mom, they'd be like, are you serious? This is so nice. So I think just, you know, thinking about their feelings and the whole situation and that you're, again, you're their children and they're really excited for you and just honing in on that excitement and making it useful. Yeah. It's really important. Oh, I love that. And I think that there are things like, you know, we've been talking about things that we don't necessarily care that much about, but like if our, if our parents, especially our parents that are, you know, contributing to the wedding, that's a way of honoring them is like, if we don't care that much about it, but they do like, 
okay, let's get a cake Let and we'll do donuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the cake will go over here. The donuts will do like go over here. It's not a big deal. Um, right. But I, I like that about asking them. It's really disarming and honoring. And, and I think they'll feel way less like they have to push in and make their opinion heard because you already asked for it. That's right. Mm, that's good. You're two steps ahead of them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. This is, man, and I feel like everyone who's planned a wedding who's listening right now is either f- they're feeling this currently or they remember this. I for sure remember this. We've talked about how planning a wedding is an enormous project. And I know that it can really start taking a toll on our relationship with our fiance. Like that's the whole point is to be marrying this person that all of a sudden we're fighting with because they don't care about the napkins being like ivory or cream or something. Um, so like how do you have any just wisdom on this? How do we keep our relationship like the main thing in the midst of this enormous project that we're taking on together? Yeah, I think, you know, and this is going to be different from couple to couple. It's, you know, pretty much across the board, grooms just aren't that interested in this process. They're not into details. They're not de- like men just aren't detail oriented people. Um, it's just one of those things where it's just, it's, it's hard. So, you know, respecting them on that, not trying to push them into helping you make decisions if they truly don't care. Just say, great, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And you can run your decisions past them be like, I'm going to I'm going to do this. Is that cool? And then if they're like, great, sounds great. Um, and it seems like every once in a while, uh, you know, your significant other will pop up with an opinion on something and it might surprise you. Like they might be really opinionated about the lighting or the color of the florals or whatever it might be. And you might, it might throw you for a minute. Then it's really educating them on, okay, great. So now you're wanting to get involved in the process. So let me educate you on what I've done, how this is going to work. Um, it seems a lot of times like significant others that aren't super interested or involved in the planning process can also get a little ruffled about numbers on things. Cause they're just like, I don't understand why you're paying for this or what this is. So just going back to that blueprint and that budget and just setting the expectations, like, remember, like we, you know, broke this whole thing out. So this is how much we have. So we're actually within budget. We're doing okay. Um, this is important because of X, Y, and Z. So just like educating them on it. Cause if you're the one leading the charge, you're probably the one that's more excited about it and really invested in it. So just making sure that they're educated on it if and when they want to step in and have an opinion and not being mad at them about that. Just being like, okay, well, this is something they're interested in now. That's okay. I wish they would have been interested at these other steps, but now they're interested now. So this is great. Um, so I think that's okay to just be, you know, kind to them as they want to step in and help. Um, and then if you're feeling like you need help, like giving them some things to work on, like, Hey, I, I know you're not interested in this, but could you please just research these three things for me? Like giving them a set thing to do instead of like, I need your help, but I don't know what, like, you know, be mindful of that. Like, I just really need you to call these three wedding planners for me and get some quotes. That's all I need you to do. Yeah. And then I'll do the rest or whatever. Um, cause I know it can feel like a big undertaking and it's a lot of work and there's a lot of research and contacts you need to make. And so that can be a, a good way to have them help. Um, if they're not interested, just collect some information for me and I can do some comparisons myself. Yeah. What about yeah. like, I don't know, navigating some of the tension that sometimes comes up or like making sure that when you, when it, like when you finally reach your wedding day, you're not totally burned out and totally exhausted and totally like just fried from, from making so many decisions together. Like, do you have any like sort of relational tips or things that you've seen really help people as they're, you know, crawling to the day, (laughs) going to the finish line? (laughs) Absolutely. I think 
you know, first and foremost, it's really important to continue dating your significant other throughout the wedding planning process and taking date nights where you don't talk about the wedding. Like make sure that you have date nights, whether it's once a week or, you know, if you're really busy, like once a month at least, just to like look at each other in the eyes and be like, hi, fiance, I love you so much. And like, enjoy a fun night out together. Go do something or spend the day doing something or the weekend doing something and not talk about the wedding. As hard as it might be, because that's like the first thing on your mind, just try not to bring it up. Talk about other things. Talk about things you love doing or things you're excited about for the future. Um, but try not to focus it on the wedding. I think that's important. Just keep dating each other because it's, it's this crazy time you're going through and you're never going to go through it again. And so it's really fun to be in the moment together and be like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And so I think that's, that's a really important thing. And then, you know, for making sure that you don't go out of control with talking about the wedding or that you're not planning it every day. Like that's, you don't want that to be happening. You don't want the wedding to dominate your everyday life. Like you've got a life, you've got a job, you've got friends, you've got social things going on. The wedding should just be like a little side thing that you're doing. It shouldn't be a dominant thing that is taking you away from work or you're emailing your wedding planner at all hours of the day. Like that should definitely not be happening. Um, so I think finding a really good checklist early on is really important. Again, whether you're working with a wedding planner or um, you're just looking for some sound advice on what to be doing when, I think finding a nice checklist and then really prioritizing the items in that checklist over however many months it's telling you or however many weeks, just depending on where you're at in the planning process, to make sure that you're checking in with each other on these specific items and not jumping ahead. It's like, we need to get these four things done by March 2nd or whatever it might be. And then maybe setting aside like one evening a week. Honestly, that's all you should need to really like check in and think about and talk about things that you are planning on. So one evening a week to sit down at home together and really, you know, hash it out. So then there's an expectation, like Thursday nights, we we do wedding planning. And it's not like it's just coming up willy nilly when you're stressed about other things, because that's when blowouts can happen. Because maybe you had a rough day at work and then you come home and your fiance's in your face about cake flavors. <laughs> you don't want that happening. So yeah, setting aside time to date each other and not talk about the wedding and then also setting aside time to actually plan the wedding, I think will really set the expectations and keep things at an even keel. I love that. I really love that. It's, it really is so funny. Like we spend so much time like pinning, um, ideas for our wedding and thinking about what being engaged is going to be like. And there are some parts of it that are so fun and wonderful and romantic. And then there's some parts of it that are just plain hard because you're an amateur wedding planner, you know, planning this enormous event that's so important. And, and there are pieces of it that are hard. And I think that, those, that combination of things is is kind of hard to hold in our hands as we're anticipating what this is going to be like. And I don't know, I think it really was helpful for me to think of the process of planning our wedding as as just a team building exercise. Like it really was, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was something really hard and really big. It was just a giant project that Carl and I were taking on together and we were learning more about each other and learning more about how we work together and learning more about our families. And at the end of the day, it was something that we could be really proud of that we put together together. Yeah. But I think like, I just want to say if anyone is thinking, is feeling like, oh man, I've always thought that planning a wedding would be really fun. Like, yes, it is really fun sometimes, I think. <laughs> and then, or if someone's sitting here thinking, oh gosh, this is really hard. This is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Like, yeah. I mean, we're doing Janae's job, but we have no experience <laughs> and we're doing it with our own moms and our own fiancés. And yes, of course it's hard. But the it's... thing I've just been telling my sister is like, is you're almost done. You're almost done. You're not going to be planning your wedding forever. And then you just get to be married. And it's like this giant project is is temporary. 
Exactly. Exactly. And focusing on that, right? Just focusing on, I'm going to be married to the person that I love more than anyone in the world. And that's the end goal. And that's all that matters. This is one day in our whole story together. Um, So just taking it with a grain of salt. If it starts to get away from you, you feel stressed, just stop planning. Stop planning for a few days or a few weeks if you need to, and then jump back in once you feel better. Your sanity and your relationship is more important than the wedding. Like if it's really causing you that much stress, maybe you should just reevaluate the whole thing, honestly. Like we've told couples, like this doesn't seem... This seems to be something you guys are both really allergic to. Like this whole wedding planning thing is not going well. Yeah. Maybe we should just take a pause and do it in a year or do something completely different. Like maybe you should elope. This might be better for you. Yeah. Because you don't want it to ruin your relationship. Your wedding planning should not drive you apart. It should bring you closer together, if anything. The fights should be productive fights that you talk through, yeah. work through. Yeah. Um, it's all about communication and setting expectations. I love that. Do you have, um, you know, when the day finally does arrive, we've put so much work into this, so many, you know, planned so many details. Do you have any like tips or advice for how to really savor the day and how to really be present? And like, what do you do once you get there? Yeah. So hire a day of coordinator. I'm not kidding. No matter what your budget is, like that is that could not be more important because you don't want your mom doing everything. You don't want your bridal party doing everything. You don't want to be stressing about all these details that you've spent so much money on and um, worried about. And it's just, it's not worth it. So like seriously invest in some sort of day of coordinator. That's a huge, huge, huge thing that I encourage all of our couples to book, um, no matter what their budget is, like just invest in that because you need that third party there that has experience doing weddings every weekend to make sure everything runs smoothly. So you're not, you're not worrying about what time the caterer is going to arrive and what time your dad should be giving a speech and things like that. So that's first. Um, and then second is really taking time to tuck away with your significant other, now your new husband or wife at that time, and making sure that you are like looking at each other in the eyes and being like, hi, this is so crazy. This is our wedding day. Oh my God. Like whether you need to like jump into the catering kitchen and like make out for a minute or, you know, like run, um, run outside of the church for a second and just check in with each other. Like try to do that like every hour. Cause otherwise you won't see each other at all. Like your guests take priority because you're, you're wanting to see everyone. You want to be a good host, remembering that it's your day together and this is happening to you guys. And just like being present in that moment and like tripping out and be like, Oh my God, this is crazy. And this is so fun. And I think that's really important. And we always encourage our couples to do that. Um, and we try to schedule at times in our timelines for them to, to steal away together and have those little moments. Um, you know, whether that's bringing them a glass of champagne while they do that or having, you know, some appetizers set aside in the dressing room so that they can like sit in there and just cool off for a minute. Um, cause it's an intense day and it's short and it's fast and you want to remember those little moments together where you were checking in and just taking a breath. So that's a really great way to be present. I love that. Oh, I love that. That's such a good <laughs> idea. I feel like my, my, I, I mean, I loved our wedding. I loved everything about it. My favorite part of it though, was the ceremony because the ceremony was everyone else was sitting down, <laughs> you know, everyone else, yes. no one was, no one else was talking to us and we just got to, it just, it was, a, it was slower paced and, and mm-hmm. it was just about us. And, and so I feel like that was for that exact same reason. It was just that moment together to just look at each other and, and tell each other how much we love each other. And like, we're doing this, we're getting married right now. This is happening. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, cause yeah, yes. there's not, there's not quite as much time when you're on the dance floor, unless you steal away, which I love. I love the catering kitchen thing. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Okay. So Janae, I have just one last question for you. For all the brides listening today, can you just give them one last piece of encouragement, maybe a pep talk or just any, any words of encouragement that you feel like they might need to, might need to hear today? 
Yeah, absolutely. So if you're if you're out there listening right now and you're just feeling like in tears over your Pinterest board, just feeling like your vision's never going to come to life with what you want and like all of that, just remember that this is your day. Take all of the other expectations off of it, off the table. Like it's all about what you and your fiance want. You know, again, if your family's involved, it's, you know, taking their ideas into mind, but just remembering that every wedding is different. There are no cookie cutter weddings. Um, so just taking those expectations away, I think can be a huge weight of relief for a lot of brides. Cause I think a lot of brides playing their wedding are thinking about what other people are going to think about it. Like they're going to think this is an ugly wedding or they're going to think this is a boring wedding or really standard cookie cutter type wedding. And at the end of the day, if you love it, and even if it's something that was maybe on trend, like four years ago, who cares? Just do it because you love it. And it's your day. You're only doing this once. And it's, it's one of those things that, it's so important to just be true to yourself and, you know, being, you know, present as a couple as you're planning your wedding and taking those other expectations away. Cause I, I promise you, if you do that and stop caring what other people think, you're going to be so much happier <laughs> throughout the whole process. Um, and then getting your budget set up, just do that, just do that. And you'll be so happy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, okay. Yeah. So last Janae, I know that you one plan weddings for people, but also I know that you have a resource for people who might not be able to afford you or who might not be like in Minnesota. I mean, you probably plan weddings for people all over the place or is it just local? We just plan actually Blush and Whim just plans wedding in Minneapolis, but you know, the resources that we have, we work with brides all over the place. Yeah. Okay. So for any women who aren't in Minneapolis or who are, and just are like, I'm trying to, you know, keep my budget to, you know, whatever amount. I know you have a resource that I love that you have, and I would love it if you would just tell us about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for um, calling attention to this resource. I'm really excited about it. So it's an online course. Um, We're calling it Petite Planner because it's like your little wedding planner that comes alongside. It's like your virtual at-home wedding planner. So basically it's a virtual online course with instructional videos with me um, where I walk you through the entire planning process from start to finish. So essentially it's everything you would receive in a full planning wedding planning experience with a, a wedding planner for $297. So, you know, anywhere from $5,000 up to $20,000 is what you're going to pay for a full service wedding planner. It's not a cheap thing to purchase. It's a luxury expense. And a lot of brides simply can't afford it. A lot, a lot of brides, it's a, it's a very small market that can afford a full service wedding planner. Um, so it's something that we want, we kind of saw this gap in the market and we wanted to give brides everywhere that resource and that comfort and that that BFF, again, that links arms with you and comes alongside you and is like your cool older big sister that's like, you can do this. And these are like the decisions you need to make. And that's who we want to be for you. That's truly who we want to be for you. And so again, it's just instructional videos and it's, it's, it's very doable. It's not something overwhelming where it's going to be like 60 hours of video. You guys, this is like two and a half hours of video content where it's like two to five minute videos for each portion of the planning process. If you have a nice checklist, which we give you um, in the course, you kind of follow the checklist, you watch the videos that correlate with the the checklist item that you're on. Um, And it's just like a nice video you can watch with some tips and tricks and sound advice before you go into vendor meetings or before you start tackling a certain task on that checklist. Um, we're also going to go through the whole event design process with you, like show you how to make sense of your Pinterest board, um, go through how to 
create a design packet to present to your, your vendors so that you don't have to regurgitate your vision over and over again. So that's a super useful resource that's going to be included in there. Um, and then all sorts of PDF downloads on, you know, wedding etiquette and, you know, an event design blueprint that you can use to put together, you know, a DIY um, mood board for your event. Um, and then, you know, the checklist and then a, a, a budget calculator as well. We're going to give you all those percentages on how you should be breaking out and prioritizing your budget. So it's really, it's just a great resource, everything from start to finish. It's not meant to be overwhelming. It's meant to be very doable. Again, you can watch the entire thing in two and a half hours, or you can just watch, you know, little five minute videos once a week on whatever uh, checklist item you're on, just to kind of guide you through the whole thing and, you know, feel like you are making some sound decisions and getting some good advice from a reputable source instead of having to Google. I mean, information's free all over the internet, but it can be really confusing on what's the good advice out there. Is this article even a sound article? I don't know. Um, you know, you there's just, you're inundated. And so we're trying to be that resource for you where it's all in one place. It's from an actual wedding planner. It's everything that we give to our full planning clients. Um, but again, to you for a fraction of the price. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, I love Thank that you, you said the cooler sister. I feel like I've gotten to be that for my baby sister, yeah. which is so fun because again, all the things I learned the first time I'm actually able to pass on to her now, which is great. It's been so fun. Um, but yes. I know that like, I didn't have a big sister helping me plan my wedding. And so it's just really nice to exactly like you said, not be Googling a million different things. Like one, one spreadsheet says, you know, 10%, one says 20%. You're like, what in the world am I supposed to be doing? So um, right. y'all, if you could use a cool big sister to help you plan your wedding, we're going to link <laughs> to that in the show notes. Um, and Danae, seriously, I have loved having you on. Thank you so much for just sharing all of your wisdom with us. I am praying that everyone listening is feeling so much calmer and more relaxed. And y'all, this wedding is going to be perfect for you. And it doesn't have to be perfect by anyone else's standards. Um, it's just, this is your day to marry your person. And I know I'm praying that that you would just feel a sense of relief right now, that you would feel peace right now, that you would feel, that you would take off expectations that were never meant to be there, that you could put on some blinders and not, not feel like you have to compare to anybody else. And I just feel like we're both praying for you right now, just that your your wedding would be exactly what it should be. So, Danae, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun um, coming on here and giving some wedding planning advice to all of your followers. And I really appreciate you inviting me to be on your podcast. You guys are great. (laughs) You guys, isn't Janae amazing? Seriously, she's our new best friend, right? Just a quick reminder, I know that we talked about so much in today's episode, and you may be scrambling as you wonder, where can I find that link for her course, or what was that website they talked about again? Friends, don't worry about that at all, because we have all of that information saved and organized for you in our show notes. And actually, that's true every week. If you head over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog, you'll be able to find the links for everything we talked about in today's episode, including Janae's contact info so y'all can follow her, and so y'all can be friends. She really is the best. All right, friends, that's it for today, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to this show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I do have a quick favor to ask of y'all. If you enjoyed this episode or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. Friends, thank you so much again for joining me for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week.